It's time now for another Pinball Profile. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com, past shows, your favorite podcatcher, and more. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Pinball Profile. Email us pinballprofile at gmail.com and check us out on Facebook. A true confession right now. The interview you're about to hear was recorded in March of 2019. What the heck took me so long? I am more than embarrassed to say the problem was me. I started to record a new way from home back then, and there were actually five pinball profile shows I recorded this way, and each one of them actually had technical problems. All my fault, all in setup. But what makes this one worse is because it was the second time we did the full interview. Can I tell you how embarrassing that is when you're talking to an audio master and that's the interview you screw up? Some of those other interviews I actually had to air because they were time sensitive. I'm not proud to say it, but if you listen back to some of those episodes, eh, not the greatest audio quality, let's just put it that way. But they needed to go out some way, shape or form because of events that were happening immediately. Another example, I had a great interview with Phil Grimaldi, who I really respect, in Houston at Space City Pinball. We did this great talk about streaming. It wasn't originally going to be a pinball profile. He was just asking me for tips about streaming and competitions and commentating, some do's and don'ts. It never aired, again, because of an audio screw-up that I did. A lot of times I'll record, I'll see the WAV file recording, I'm like, oh, everything's fine. When really, you should probably check and make sure it's okay. Play it back and then do the full interview. Lesson learned. I've never claimed to be a radio producer or audio producer. I barely know how to turn on the mic. So this interview, recorded in March of 2019, never aired. I was lucky though. I recorded on my end and my guest recorded on their end, just their voice. When I accidentally mixed the two voices, they were out of sync. I accidentally deleted one of my parts, which threw everything off. So when you listen to the mixed file, which was now the only source I had of my voice, It basically was two people talking over each other. It'd be like me asking a question and the person giving you the answer before I've asked the question. Doesn't make for a great podcast. Thankfully, my guest recorded his part. So, in the many months since then, and to be quite honest, not that COVID-19 is a good thing, it's a horrible thing, but it gave me a little more time to actually reconstruct my voice and my part to bring you this interview. When I saw our special guest at Expo in 2019, six months after we recorded, I profusely apologized for the delay and promised this will come out. I just made a mistake and have a lot of producing to do. A lot of producing requires a lot of time. So it is a pleasure to present to you this pinball profile with one of the world's greatest voice actors and somebody you know, because if you watch the Twippies, you heard him as the narrator. I can name several cartoons and other shows, and you'll hear some of those in the program. You've heard his voice before. And especially now, in the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pinball machine from Stern, he does several characters. So, what I'm about to present you right now is that interview from March of 2019, and we will follow it up afterwards with a current conversation with Mark Silk. Let's go across the pond, one of my favorite places, the lovely land of Great Britain. We are going to Birmingham, England to talk to Mark Silk. Hello, Mark. How are you? Hi, Jeff. I'm really good. uh, And it's a a beautiful day here in lovely land. Well, I am excited to be talking to you once again. We first met at Expo. In fact, you came up to me. I think I was playing in a tournament or maybe volunteering. You saw my computer and you saw, I think I was even editing a pinball profile and said that you heard me talk to Rob Burke and it got you excited about Expo. And within like a less than a week, you said, I'm going to Chicago. I've got to check this out. 
It's all your fault, Jeff. You've got a lot to be responsible for. It was great to meet you there. I went back down the pinball rabbit hole, sort of middle, well, so summerish uh, last year, and I started following a whole bunch of pinball podcasts like you do and got hooked on Pinside. And then, thanks to your ideas, I ended up going, do you know what? Let's do this properly. Let's go and book a cab to Chicago and spend a lot of time around a, a stack of pinball machines. And it was, it was so much fun. I, I had a blast. So thank you for the recommendation. What was your favorite thing about going to Expo? I really enjoyed just sucking up the vibe of the place, but also sitting down and a whole bunch of seminars to actually hear some of the pinball designing legends talk about what they do, to hear Pat Lawler talk about the geometry of machines and talk about what what matters to him in terms of making a game matter to a a player, to hear George Gomez talk about the the making of, of Deadpool. And... I love the fact that they really enjoyed sharing the nature of the team as well. The fact that it's a collaboration, everyone from Jerry Thompson to the, the artists, to the, the coders, to what matters again in, in terms of making a license work and just being around the place, just bumping into people like Todd Tucky and Zach and Greg from Straight Down the Middle and, and other podcasters. It was just a, a nice place to, to hang out for three days. In fact, I think I just saw you on a video that Expo just put out. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like 60 minutes long. but. You're in the video with Todd Tucky. Oh, well, yeah. I th- that was on the first day, I think. I was just mooching around the um, mooching around one of the, the rooms there, and Todd came up and said hi, and I thanked him for inspiring me to get Aerosmith Pinball. <laughs> oh, wow. It was, yeah, th- there were a couple of videos that there was, um, but his was one of them where basically he played the, the game, and his take on it was, even with no other code updates, this is good to go. And that's kind of how it should be. You, you know, there's for, for so long as a fan of pinball, you can stick around going, well, will it get a bit better? Will we get some more call-outs? Will, will it get any deeper? And it, it was such a great game out the box. And, and now with um, with all the extra bits and pieces and code updates, it, it's a really exciting game. But it was, uh, yeah, I haven't seen that video. I need to see that. But it, it was it was cool to meet him and Frank and... And um, we, we spent a, a good bit of time hanging out. In, in fact, I, I've invited him over to come to my studio over here whenever they visit, whenever they visit the UK. So we'll, we'll try and get Todd Tucky live in the UK. Now, we're going to get into your games in a little bit. You talked about going down that rabbit hole. You've gotten back into pinball, like a lot of us have, after a few years of absence. And yeah, you've gone pretty deep. I've seen some photos of you at Pinball Heaven, the great distributor there, and they have a great lineup. So... You've been able to play some of the newest games. In fact, I think you were the first person I knew who played not only Monsters Pro, but even the LE as well. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, we, with yourself, and I've got friends who are in Chicago who are 30 minutes from Stern, and I ended up playing Monsters and Beatles and, you know, way earlier than they did. Yeah, there's a there's a place in, in Birmingham here in the UK called Tilt, and they're basically the, the, the showroom for for um for pinball heaven which is a pinball uh, pinball dealership and they have a collection upstairs of classic uh, retro pinball games beautifully looked after and downstairs it's all the new stuff it's the stuff that you could travel miles to just try and you know get your hands on and watch but they had beatles first monsters first uh, deadpool they were the first people in the uk to to get these things but but um yeah that that seemed that was the hangout for me i'm a big I'm a big beanhead. I love coffee. And so anytime there's a new coffee place opening in the city, I'll go and hang out there with friends. And this place, Tilt, opened up. And, you know, went in there just to have, you know, just to catch up with friends. And then you see the place is stuffed full of pinball machines. And this this light kind of lit my brain up on fire again. And I 
completely remembered the love that I had for pinball back when I was a kid. My first ever, my first ever experience with pinball was the Tomy Atomic Pinball Machine, which was awesome. But that was my first ever pinball machine, this tiny little atomic pinball machine by uh, by Tomy. And then mom and dad would take us to the seaside uh, for holidays and I would get lost in these, in pinball machines. And something that I loved about pinball more than, I'm a big arcade fan too, but one thing that pinball has above any other kind of game, really, arcade game, is it's real. It's a tactile experience. This is, you know, it's theatre. And so anyway, going back to rediscovering pinball, I um, I just fell in love again. And it was such a treat to discover what were, for me, brand new games. But these brand new games were things like Monster Bash. You know, to me, Monster Bash is brand new. I'd never seen that in the UK. Oh, wow. Yeah. If you think I'd never seen Monster Bash... I had never seen Adam's Family. It's a whole new world, you know. Is that because there weren't that many games in the UK? I've talked to Neil McRae before, and and I've been there myself, and it was hard to find games on location. I'm sure now it's better than it was, but is that really what the problem was? It might have been. I mean, back in the day, I, th- I think it was more geared towards arcade machines, and which I fell in love with games like you know, um, like Ghosts and Goblins and Paperboy, and obvious games like Pac Man, and then things like Dragon's Lair, which are unplayable but beautiful. But there weren't as many pinball machines that you would see here, and as arcades closed down in the UK and like anywhere else in the world, as more and more people were playing consoles the arcade machines go and of course pinball machines go and so then for probably since probably I was at school to now the only time that you'd really see a pinball machine would be this dirty wreck of lights in the corner of a pub or somewhere really uncared for that that needed some real love and care and now like almost like with vinyl people want that tactile connection with with an entertainment experience and the resurgence of pinball is exactly that. You know, you are finally connected with this thing that's real and it makes you get off your phone, get off your games console, be sociable with friends and and have something that, that's truly interactive. You know, it, it's it really exciting to be back in the game. Well, when you go to pubs and things, you're saying you're now seeing the odd game there. Is it a bad stereotype to assume that there are darts and things like pool tables? And- <laughs> no, I'm being serious. No, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how huge esports is, and it's crazy to watch the people win millions of dollars playing Fortnite or whatever the case may be. Even in Madden football, it's something that's big here in North America. All these great esports. But the one thing that always blows me away is when I watch, and it's usually a British broadcast, these huge dart competitions where people are, first of all, loaded. It's a big party. Yeah, yeah, yeah really tends well to that bar scene but i mean these dart players are rock stars and they're filling these huge arenas and it's a circuit so i wonder is that still big in the uk yeah i'm sure it is i've never been a pub guy i've never been a big drinker so i've missed out on that side of of the world well catch I, I, up mark i i, I, I see you <laughs> you're introducing me to brand new hobbies jeff and i thank you for your kindness but i yeah maybe i should go and buy a dartboard as well and put that next to pinball machines no too close don't you don't want to <laughs> no no you don't want to bouncing off the dartboard yeah, I, I that, that's a part of the world that I think I've missed out on. So I, I've always been more of a, of a of a coffee guy to just sit with friends and, and talk on and talk and laugh all night. I'm sure you can do that at bars too, probably a bit more than with coffee. But I'm sure that uh, if you want to come to the UK and play darts, I, I'll be able to find some way for you to do that. But for, for me now, the thing that I'm finding more and more of are these. Well, you just said it, barcades. So if you want, you know, great craft beers 
but also great coffees. There tends to be this mix of the two, and that's what I'm that's what I'm really enjoying. Listen, I certainly don't want to shame you for not drinking. I think that's a noble <laughs> thing to do, and I don't want to center you out there in England. That'd be like me admitting the truth that I'm Canadian and I don't skate. I don't play hockey. What? <laughs> Here's the irony. I flew to Toronto to go and see ice hockey. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it was to go and see ice hockey and to go and see uh, Bare Naked Ladies live. And of course, you've got the Ed Robertson connection with that as well. So, oh, the irony. Perfect. That is really good. You got it all in. That's awesome. If you had some back bacon there and some maple syrup, <sighs> you got it all in. Now, we've heard you talk now for about 10 minutes here on Pinball Profile, and people might be going, I know I've heard that voice before. Well, you've not only heard that voice, but you've heard several voices. Mark Silk is one of the world's greatest voice actors. In fact, when you came up to me at Expo and introduced yourself, I said to you, I know exactly who you are because I've known about your career. And let's just talk about some of the highlights too. Now, I have children that are teenagers, but we used to watch things like Bob the Builder. Well, hello. Hi, Bob the Builder here. How you doing? Can we fix it? Yes, we can. Come on, Wendy. Let's go play... Uh anything regarding pinball. I think that's pretty cool. And especially, I wonder if Bob the Builder came out at all, because I know you built a little separate part to your home there to actually house pinball machines. So uh, I didn't know if you did any of those (laughs) yes, we cans or anything, but Bob the Builder. And then the one that I always liked too was, because I think it geared a little more towards adults. I mean, kids liked it too, but there was something there for the adults too. Johnny Bravo. Oh yeah, I was Johnny Bravo over in the UK here. So basically when we were cast for that, I was basically told, Elvis sounds a bit like Elvis, big male himbo, and it was Johnny Bravo. Oh, mama. Yeah, that's right, man. Go for it, Jeff. Loved Johnny Bravo. Very, very Loved funny. Loved him. I did. But then also, too, there are people listening that have younger kids, so they know things like Roy the race car. Do you get that over there? That's really yes. cool. Oh, man. That's great. Yeah, there was... um. It was a really big, it was a stop motion animation show. And there's a big UK comedian over here called Peter Kay. And it was Peter and myself. And I did uh, about half a dozen character voices for that. But yeah, that was, that was awesome. There's another great animation called Danger Mouse that I grew up with as a kid that they rebooted about three years ago. And I do 31, I think it's 31 character voices in the first season of that. And it's uh, Stephen Fry's in it, Alexander Armstrong's in it. I'm in it. There's, there's a. It's a pleasure just to be part of stuff like that. And and I'm one of the characters I play is a guy called Nero, who's basically this this uh, rancid little caterpillar that makes loads of squeaky farty noises. So I'll go into a recording session. You, you spend like, you know an hour going, and you go. That's that's my day at the office today. There's another show called Go Jetters, which is massive over here, and that's gone global as well and that's it's got its own magazine and it's it's on universal kids in the states and i'm the voice of of the uh, the evil grandmaster glitch i'll get you no jetters <laughs> by the way for anybody that isn't five years old or based in the uk uh, i can only apologize if you haven't heard any of these characters. and then there's um i'm a massive star wars fan and i got to work on star wars episode one with with George Lucas. I got a, um, you know, I got a, I got a phone call out of the blue when they were casting near the end of, of that movie, and basically the call was, "Are you free next Tuesday to work with George Lucas on a brand new Star Wars movie?" And I basically said, "Let me check the diary." Yes, and it, we worked at Abbey Road Studios, which is it's a 
legendary place to be. Um, so Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Anyone that's into recording, tech, music, movies, it's the place. And we were in the penthouse studio there. It was myself and George Lucas in the same room. And it was an absolute dream come true. And to be part of something like that, it's just golden and opens up so many doors of, of interest from other people. But there was, uh, so I got to work on Star Wars. I played a character called Axmo. So if you've seen episode one, in the parliamentary scene of episode one, when they're in the Senate scene, when there's a whole bunch of speeches being made, and there's this pivotal speech made by the ambassador of Malastare, and you hear Axmo say, The Congress of Malastare concur with the right honorable delegate from the Trade Federation. A commission must be appointed. Now get me a cake, or something along those lines. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, look, there are other bits and pieces throughout the movie as well. My role in Star Wars is very small, you know, relatively, but... But you're part of the universe now. You get to go exactly. to these comic cons and they're like there he is or whatever and and not only to be the voice but that was so nice that George Lucas used your likeness for the character as well too <laughs> yeah the the actual character <laughs> if you've ever seen the character Reyes from Star Wars it's a very similar looking head to that oh we'll put it on Facebook so yeah. It's, yeah so it's like the head of a goat with three eyes <laughs> and a desperate need for moisturizer this guy needs this guy needs uh, to sort out his dry skin I couldn't recognize which was which I have to put yeah. that it's really hard to tell I think it's uh, like looking in a mirror Jeff yeah, exactly. But that's very cool. And there was another big voice that you did that is definitely big in the UK, Thunderbirds. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a conversation that we have to have. Yeah. Five, four, three, two, twelve. Thunderbirds are go. <laughs> that's how the pinball machine goes. No, no, Egg- no. God, if only if it was that good. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a massive fan of the original Thunderbirds f- f- that I watched as a kid in reruns. And um, Thunderbirds was a huge show in the UK and a, f- a few other places around the world. And uh, a few years ago, they have rebooted Thunderbirds. It's a hell of a production. They've got the guys from Weta, Peter Jackson's studio, doing all the backgrounds and models. And then there's uh, CGI characters on top of that. And it's this incredible cast. Yes, it is an incredible cast. My future girlfriend, even my wife knows about it. My future girlfriend is part of that cast. Uh, you're, you're talking about Rosamund Pike, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> Loved her for years. Oh, She's great. Well, well yeah, I, I, I saw her a couple of weeks ago. And uh, she was very upset that you weren't there, Jeff. We have uh, the same birthday. Do you? Yes. January 27th. I will pass on the message. I'm sure she's going to be thrilled to bits. Send her my number, would you please? Thank you. <laughs> sure will. But yeah, there's so Thunderbirds are go. It's, um, we had this great experience a couple of weeks ago. It was the cast and crew showing of the very final episode of, of this season. And, um, and for us all to be together watching this thing, uh, th- this final kind of double length episode, they'd, they'd even taken the time and care to do this special uh, cinematic audio mix. Uh, they've got Nigel Heath at his studio, Hackenbacker. He's kind of a bit of a legendary sound designer. Uh, I mean, you know, he's uh, one of the people that, that, that encourage him to do what he does is a guy called Paul McCartney. And so to have people like that on board it is really quite incredible. It was astonishing. The orchestrations are being done by the, these guys, Ben Foster and Nick Foster, and they are involved in you know major movies. They're working on the new Elton John movie. And, and to just experience that together w- was golden. And even little things like, you know yourself, if you've grown up watching a show or a movie that it means a great deal to you. One of my heroes growing up was a guy called David Graham, and he's a voice actor, and he was the voice of Parker and Brains in the original Thunderbirds. David Graham is now in his mid-90s. 
and he's still doing it. That's awesome. And he's still playing Parker, the the aloof butler. Yes, milady. That's kind of how he sounds normally now. And to be in the room with that guy, just to be in the room, you know, sometimes forget work. You just want to be in the room. And I adore that. And, and to be there and watch this guy work, I've got such respect for the cast and crew of this thing. It, it's a real, it's treasure to be part of that. So, so yeah, Thunderbirds are go. I play the, the incredibly handsome Captain Rigby. International rescue should go back to what they do best, rescuing kittens from trees. That would make a better pinball machine. If there was a rescuing kitty in a tree mode, I think that would be way better than shooting the ramp to spell international rescue so many times. <sighs> I, I know you've played the game. I've yeah. played, you know what? I'll be honest. I played it. It was at Pinburg. I played it. And then when Alice Cooper was free right beside it, I think I ended my game just to go play Alice Cooper. Yeah, it was just a little clunky and it wasn't enough there for me. And I know you feel the same. It just. Let's uh, roll our sleeves up, Jeff, and discuss this one, eh, mate? I played it at a pinball festival over here and I played it with a sound up. Did you play it with a sound up? Again, because of the uh, loud noises all around, it was all, I was hearing more than one machine. I wasn't isolated and I hear I'm glad that was the case. You were saved, Jeff. You were saved. It was such a shame. You know, these, you hear people talking about their grail pin. Their, you know, if they could have any machine, and one of them for me was Thunderbirds. And when I heard that this was being done, I was so excited. And I tried, I tried to find any reason why, why I should buy this thing. My love of the show and also being in the new show. And first of all, what you said about playing the thing, when you watch this ball flop over the back of this odd ramp and things weren't right, the art doesn't represent the characters properly, but then the sound, sound is 50% of the experience to me. It's like with a movie. Without the music, the sound, sound, it drives the experience. This thing, even just technically, before you even get into what they were playing out of this machine, the actual technical sound quality of it kept changing throughout it. So you'd hear these crunchy, low bitrate recordings that were taken from the actual series. And then you'd hear a really high quality thing of the original theme. Then it would change to this bespoke recorded jangly guitars thing that wasn't in any way keeping with the theme of Thunderbirds. No consistency. No, exactly. But then you'd hear the stuttering audio of Thunderbird 3 to Thunderbird 5, 5, 5, 3 to 5, 5 to 3 to 5. If anything, it was worth buying for the comedy value. <laughs> I don't think they were going for a comedy. <laughs> it was, it, oh boy. And there were, there were other things without getting into the hole, without digging deep in, into, you know, the, the, the PR and the guy behind it too. Some of the responses when people even did the most mild critiques of the game didn't help the uh, the company or the game at all. And it's a real shame because I, I'd have loved to have seen a, a terrific Thunderbirds game. But if nothing else, it gave us some good cabaret. Well, you mentioned you like hearing the sounds, and for you, that's 50%. I can understand why. It's obviously your bread and butter. It's something that's very important to me, too, and we've heard some great sounds, especially in some of the newer games, too, but when we think of some of the classics, I know you and I have a favorite, too, in Medieval Madness. Yeah, that's exciting, and and the one that really got me back into this was Attack from Mars. 
you know the the audio on the well, on the remake of that thing is is incredible. I, I've got the uh, the LE of, of Attack from Mars from Chicago Gaming, and God, what they have packed into even just the the speaker system and the amp in that that is as good as I've ever heard a pinball machine. I think probably that and Beatles are in terms of the audio quality that I've heard is the best that I've heard yet. But Attack from Mars, there's a machine that it makes you laugh. You know, there's not a stack of callouts in that thing, but how they've created how they the soundscape of that the sound design it totally encapsulates the b-movie feel of that theme you look forward to all the call-outs you look forward to the music and again as you're going through the game the music changes and it drives the action and anticipation and excitement it's 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 a really important factor within a game a movie imagine jaws without without that soundtrack you know, as, as an example of, of what a great soundtrack will do to turn something around with Jaws, just as a movie, just to move into an example of, of what great sound design will do. They had a movie. Spielberg had a movie about a shark with a rubber shark that never worked. So you got a stack of shots of no shark. So John Williams' cellos became the shark. And every time you heard that music, you know something terrifying is about to happen. Building that excitement and anticipation, that's exactly what you can do with great audio in any game, and especially pinball. Can you imagine if only someone had the license and all the assets? I'm sure it'll happen. But the, um, uh, I was playing uh, another treat in the collection here is Aerosmith, pinball, like we say. And a friend came over yesterday and I just cranked it up and it blew his mind. It's the first time he had ever played a pinball machine. And out of out of the, the bunch that were in here, that was his favorite because it was like being at a rock gig. You know, to think of how important the theme is and how you represent that with with the shots and the artwork and the cabinet and the light show, but and the sound. The sound was so good. The way that the sound the pop bumpers made, the, the the call outs, everything. The are you gonna start scoring points now? All of this, this character it built, it was really exciting. That's interesting because I think the rock pinball machines, they are more than 50% sound because it's great theme integration. And Aerosmith is a perfect example of that. I know ACDC is one of my favorites too. And, and speaking of Birmingham, where you're from, some of the boys from there, in fact. Wow, if I think of Birmingham, you know, there's a lot of good music there. ELO and... Yeah, e Jeff Lynn. And uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Duran Duran. Hmm, you could make a Birmingham pinball machine, I think. <laughs> That's what we need. A Duran Duran pinball machine. You can put on all your old 80s clothes. You look terrific, Jeff. <laughs> I think the Bee Gees might even be originally from there, too. I could be wrong, but... <laughs> well, think of music pins. I mean, they are... Some of my favorites, I assume, you know, you've got Aerosmith. Are there some other ones that you jump to? I would love, well, a dream one would be a Queen pinball machine. I'm a massive fan and of Queen. And we were so close to that, too, with Highway. I oh. know. The only thing that I saw of a Queen pinball machine was some artwork for, there was like a virtual pinball machine. Are we talking the same thing, or was, or was there another one that, that might have come out? Barry Ausler had said that he was working on another machine for Highway. The strong rumor is that it was for Queen. So apparently Highway still, whatever, the Pinball Brothers, they have the license for that. But I would like to see somebody else get their chance at that. Yes, me too. I mean, you want to talk about how hot that would be right now coming out within the next year or two, especially off the back end of the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? Hello. I really thought that that might have happened with the timing of the movie. It, it would be a perfect rock pin. Can you imagine plunging that thing and, and you hear, don't stop me now you've got another one bites the dust we are the champions we will rock you all of this queen i grew up queen were my favorite band growing up full disclosure so and through pure fluke i got to see the last ever live show with freddie mercury oh yeah in nebworth august 86 
and it was phenomenal. And if you've ever seen the, the Live Magic album, that's got there's some clips from, yeah. from that last show. On the front cover is a helicopter uh, with Queen written on the front of it. And that shot was taken at Nebworth, the gig that I was at. I think I was 14. And you can see it's just a load of ants. And I was one of the ants about two thirds of the, the way back. And even the screen at the front of the stage looked small from that far back. And you know what? 120,000 people in the audience at Nebworth Park and Freddie Mercury had every single one of them in the palm of his hand. Yes, he did. And that's what I thought the movie captured really well, too, is that yep. there were all these acts at Live Aid. Yep. Queen blew everyone away. And I remember watching that live and, and even thinking that at the time. I was bummed out, too, because Queen hadn't played North America since the early 80s. Yeah, and yeah. when the Innuendo album came out in the early 90s, they said they were going to tour North America. I was so pumped. And of course, sadly, it never happened with the passing of Freddie Mercury. But, ah, darn it. The dream lives on. We could still have that Queen pinball. Yes. Another pinball machine rumor that is out there is Scooby-Doo, and you have some uh, connection to that as well, too. I think of some of the great voices in the past that are now gone, like Casey Kasem, but you are involved with Scooby-Doo. Do you want to explain that? About 10 years ago, I got brought into a studio to start performing the voice of Scooby and Shaggy for anything recorded in the UK and Europe. And people people heard that I could do it. And basically, I was continuing what I guess Dom Messick, the original character voice, would have wanted to do with it. So I got to meet Dom Messick, the original voice of Scooby-Doo, at an animation art event in London back in the 90s. I'm sat in a studio in, in the heart of London with a script going, Zykes, like this is really creepy, Scooby-Doo, pal. Right, Scoob? Yeah, creepy, Scooby-Dooby-Doo. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, that's right, Jeff. This is really freaking me out, Scoob. And I've been lucky enough to, to vo voice. There's been stacks of Scooby-Doo toys and radio commercials and TV bits and um, stuff at Cartoon Network. And it's a tiny little portion of, of what I get brought in to do. But but it's that spice that you just think, this is just really cool now. You know, just forget whatever the work is. This is just nice to be doing this. It, it's, you, it's one of those characters you grew up loving and now you're that guy. You talk about some of the legends, and I've been in admiration of so many of them, yourself included, too. And I've been fortunate enough to talk to some of them, too, in, to me, the greatest show that will ever be and that ever was, especially in the first 10 years, is The Simpsons. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The comedy that they packed in in 22 minutes was just phenomenal. The things they could do, the characters they could have, the cast they could have because they could just draw it in anywhere. You want to go somewhere, you draw it in. So they just had endless opportunities to do all these great comedy bits of genius. And I was fortunate enough a few times to talk to Nancy Cartwright, who's the voice of Bart Simpson yeah, and yeah, some yeah. of the other kids. Oh, cool. Also Harry Shearer, who I love from Spinal Tap, yeah. but also he's Mr. Burns, he's Smithers, he's Kent Brockman, he's Ned Flanders, he's all these great characters. And you just did something that reminded me of those characters. Okay. When you did your Shaggy to Scooby and back to Shaggy, without taking a breath. That is something that amazes me when I hear of people that do multiple characters. You talked about doing Danger Mouse. That's 30, 40 different characters. I didn't know that the greats like yourself can turn on a dime like that, or I thought maybe you might need to get into character a little bit, but you just switched two completely different characters like that, and you probably do several more with some of the other work you do. I find that incredible. We just get in the room and rock it, Jeff. No messing around. We haven't got time to screw around with this stuff. Come on, let's hustle. Exactly. No, it's, it's kind of what we do. 
do a lot of the time it depends on how they need to work with some animation we'll record it as a cast so we'll each have a, a microphone a music stand with us with the script on and then through the glass in the studio there's a whole crew of people from the engineer and the voice director and the animation director and writers and producers and if it's a full cast we'll kind of act it out scene by scene like you would a, a radio play you know it's everything you're hearing it come to life right in front of you and if you're performing multiple characters you'll go from being one nasty little gangster to a weasel little bloke like this i haven't got time for you what you got you gotta make time for me mate you'll find ways of just you you make the thing happen live other times if it's say a game you'll often record um each character one at a time and each phrase at a time there's different ways of, of doing it but yeah it's, it's one of those where it, it can help enormously if you're doing this kind of work to switch from character to character it's great to see talented people like yourself, Mark, and some celebrities that are really getting into pinball. And you've really, as we've said, just gone crazy over the last year. Your collection alone has grown. You talked about Aerosmith, but I know there's more than that. My name is Mark and I love pinball. Please, Jeff, help me. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Hi, Jeff. Yeah, I, uh, yeah the, the first one I got was Aerosmith. I wanted Attack from Mars, and I couldn't find one that was in good enough condition. And then I realized that Chicago Gaming existed. And so, yeah, the first game I got was Aerosmith Pro. I was considering Aerosmith LE or Aerosmith Premium, but I ended up going with the Pro because that's what I could get my hands on. Well, I actually prefer the Pro. Oh, yep, you have great taste. I do too. I played the LE and the I played the Premium rather in Logan Arcade in Chicago when I was out there uh, having the time of my life. And it was cool. The upper playfield was cool, but for me it didn't really add that much to it. And I really like the just the clean layout and the flow of the game on the Pro without the upper playfield. So I have Aerosmith Pro, um, I've got Attack from Mars LE with its beautiful green legs and its fabulous LEDs. Oh, I love it. It's the greatest topper, I think, of all. Yeah, yeah. It scared my dog. The first time <laughs> I, I plugged that thing in, my little lovely pup, Honey the Cheagle, half chihuahua, half beagle, 100% adorable. She started barking back at it. She wouldn't take it. When the Martian starts going, I will get you, Earthling, you know, what, or whatever the phrase was, she basically gave him as good as he gets. Yeah, so there's Attack from Mars LE with possible the best audio system I have ever heard on a pinball machine. What they are pushing out of Chicago Gaming is truly the best that, that, that seems to be available right now. I wanted a an animation-based pinball machine, and the one I could get my hands on over here was Family Guy. And I know that it's Family Guy and Shrek all in one, basically, but it's Family Guy pinball. I love Family Guy. Don't knock Family Guy. It's a great game. It plays really well. It's crass as hell. It's funny. The shout-outs are, are incredible. You know, it's original cast voice actors doing the shout-outs, and it's paddle all the design, you know, paddle all the geometry. So it's a really good shooter and a stack of fun. And then we have Monster Bash Ellie. It's my favorite of the three that they've done. I think uh, they've, I mean, yep. each one is great. This terrific high contrast art. The play field looks incredible. And even little extra touches that they've done with adding RGB, you know, multicolor lighting on it and the little plasma uh, disc at the back. And again, that sound, it just sounded incredible. We talked about the LEs and the premiums versus the pros. You have the pro of Aerosmith. It's funny because some games, the LEs and the premiums are way better and other ones uh, i don't know if they slow the game down or take things mm. away or it's just not enough I, I know game of thrones i much prefer the pro we talked about aerosmith i prefer the pro yep what about monsters 
The lore playfield is much better than the Stewie pinball one, which is is neat and unique. The idea of the four flippers is certainly different. So you're getting great value in getting the LE or the premium. There's no question about that. It's just a matter of choice, and you've played both. So what is your choice? My choice would be, if I was going to buy one, my choice would be the Pro. And similar reason for Aerosmith. The premium, the LE, they look terrific. And the way it plays on the lower playfield, it's a stack of fun. And to have something like multi-ball on the lower playfield with a smaller ball, it's great. It's, it's great fun. But again, after so long, I just wanted to get back to the regular flow and, and gameplay on the main playfield. And it was just one of those things where I, I just, if I was playing it on location, I might be tempted to actually go and play the premium just because I'm getting extra value out of the thing. But if I was going to buy it and have it at home, I don't think I would need to go there day to day. And I, I think I would go with a pro. The other reason as well, I really do love Christopher Franchi's art. And so the pro, to me, is the favorite art package of each of those machines. As pack full as the premium and the LE is of Monsters, to see the artwork on that Monsters Pro, it's possibly my favorite artwork on any pinball machine. Wow. I've told Christopher that too. I said out of the four, I think that's my favorite as well too. I, yeah. Bat- Batman was always my favorite and I certainly love Batman sure. from the old Adam West show. But I think as far as artwork is concerned, I think Monsters is spectacular. I mean, I like all four of his games, but that Monsters just really popped. And you're right about the pro. I like the art on all three. I even like the black and white, but uh, you know, you certainly get a little more art when you go on the pro, but that's uh, again, interesting because you talked about the flow and Game of Thrones, that upper play field on the premium LE to me stops the flow a little bit. So I I think that's why I prefer the pro versus the premium in the LE. You've been at some other competitions and some other events too. I know they're starting to grow more and more there in England. Neil McRae's done some great work there. The Shine Charity Pinball Competition was just recently in Birmingham. Uh, How was that? It was good. They filled the place. That was at Tilt Coffee again. Like we said before, the place that's a showroom for pinball heaven. And they they filled the place. They had a tournament and they raised a stack of money for a, a great cancer charity. It was nice too because there were a whole load of old, um, there were about three, about three extra EM machines that they brought in. It was just good to hear some bells and chimes going off. You, you didn't hear it too much. So one of them was Blackjack. Another one was Lucky Seven. But it was, again, it, it, it was great to see, lot, there was a big family presence there. So to see a load of kids just rocking up uh, and playing pinball for the first time, and you saw the excitement because, again, it, it's something physical that they could, you know, get a real kick out of. It was a, a really, um, it, was a, it was a really cool event. Not surprised you were fascinated by the bells and chimes of the EM games. You have a real fascination for the history of pinball. That's why when you go to Chicago Expo, you always check out the Stern Factory. I love going around the Stern factory. And one thing that I thought was beautiful was to see the piece of history, which was basically the press that they used to press out, basically punch the holes out in the play field. From Gottlieb, From yeah. Gottlieb. It was that original press. But there are two in the world and they have one and every single play field at Stern goes through that press. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, you're right. I remember, I remember that as well. That was fascinating to see that. But it's one of those moments where you go, that's clearly a very exciting piece of history within that within pinball. But is it time for it to be done another way? You know, you look at the underside of a pinball machine and I don't want to be techie and have to start messing around with wires. 
Is it time for something that's much easily replace, much more easily replaceable that doesn't involve this huge loom? You know that again, it's an incredible feat of engineering what they're doing there. This big box of spaghetti underneath your playfield. If you know how to fix that, if you need to tweak anything, that's great. But I do wonder: is it time? You know, is it going to be more modular? Is there, is there a more straightforward way of engineering a pinball machine? And, and is that the kind of thing that when you hear about um, you know new companies coming along that they're going to look to do to really kick the game up? You know. I, I wonder what Deep Root will be doing. You know, that's that's the mystery that we're all waiting to hear about. I like the designers there. I like Stephen Bowden, who's gone there. Uh, certainly a great pinball competitor who knows what works in pinball. And I know he'll want to have a nice balance of something where the new player can go up and enjoy it and something like the competitor can go deep into a game. So that kind of balance will be neat. But what you're talking about too is, can we make games more affordable so that they can go on the masses? Mm not the way they're currently being no. made. Can we make them more simple so that they don't break down for operators and then that's lost revenue when a machine is out of order? That would be wonderful, but will it still remain pinball with less moving parts? How many moving parts are there in a pinball machine? Thousands and thousands. So that's the difficulty. Well, that would be the, the success, wouldn't it? To make sure that you have as many moving parts as you want, even more moving parts if you want. But the way that they're connected to the play field, is there a, a more efficient way of doing that? It might be that the answer is no. But you look at innovations in cars or any of the mechanical process and, you know, bit by bit, things change and get more efficient. But it'll be, as long as it still feels like pinball, if it, it has to feel, still feel like pinball, otherwise, um, keep the loom, keep the spaghetti. I'm a big fan of what P3 has done. Certainly mm. the P-Rock system has made a lot of homebrew games come out, but I think there's some great innovation there too. Some of the competitors feel that it's just not quite pinball. You know what? Feels like pinball to me. And I'm not saying I'm right and they're wrong or vice versa. I just think it's a great innovation and maybe we'll see more of that. Tough to say. By the way, I'm going on a pinball adventure tomorrow. To uh, We're traveling about, oh God, it's about three hours. There's a man in a van and... He is, uh, he's driving us to Wales. So it's about a three hour drive from here to pick up a really beautiful looking Flintstones. A very underrated game, by the way. Yeah. And it, it seems it's only over the past few years that people are kind of turning on to this to see it's actually just a, a stack of fun. But the, he's done the, he's done the thing that I would want to do, which is basically change it from the, the movie version of the Flintstones theme to the original animation version of the Flintstones theme. So there's the, uh, the playfield little, um, sticker decal thing on, on the front where it's actually the, animation version of Fred Wilmer and Barney and Betty. And then there's the translator at the back, which is the, uh, it's not the version that I wanted of the, of the translator at the back. It's the Benny Hill version of the Flintstone. Yes, yes, yes. No, <laughs> somebody can do a proper one. Yeah, that one. I saw that at Expo and I went, whoa, family show. Hey. Yeah, if you haven't seen this, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, take a look. It, it's rude. Yeah, you've got Fred and Barney in, in, the, in the Flintstones mobile, in the Flintmobile, and then the, there's, you just see, well, you just see Betty and, and Wilma's legs, um, and it's, it's really wrong. It's not good. Do you know where I can get? The not saucy version. I don't, but I'm sure Pinside will be glad to find yeah. one for you. But I think Flintstones is going to have a bit of resurgence too, yeah. because I saw that uh, Lego is coming out with a Flintstones set. Oh, it's, so that's great. that might get the kids more into that. And Seth MacFarlane years ago signed a deal to do a new Flintstones cartoon for prime time. Yeah, I saw so that, yeah. 
there's the guy to do it. So we'll have to well, see. You say about Lego. There's I I work on Lego mini movies. So in between the actual films, there's I, I'm I'm currently the voice of the um or the male characters in Lego's mini movies. If you go on YouTube and type in, is it like, it'll be, it'll be, I'm trying to think the best search word, Lego City. But there's, uh, I, I voice direct and, and perform on those and, and, and cast the other character voices for it as well for the female parts. But they're awesome. The last time I checked on some of those, I think it's like 11 million views. The the animation for the thing is is just stunning. It's a great little thing, about two minutes worth of animation. It's, it's, a, it's a great bit of action. Lego would be a great pinball theme. I think you're onto something for sure. Possibilities are endless. I don't know. No. And the movies have been very successful as well. Yeah, Lego could be a good... Would you Would you play or do you think you would play and enjoy a Lego-themed pinball? I will like <sighs> any theme as long as it plays yeah. well, it shoots well. Yep. Conversely, I could love a theme. They could come out with Queen and if it played like crap, I wouldn't play it at all, you know? So well, yeah. I think it's all to me about are the shots good and uh, is the code decent enough? Mm. And the shots are the most important thing to me. Theme is nice because it's certainly, how many people bought Iron Maiden that were not Iron Maiden fans? Exactly. Several. I mean, you and I both love that game, but a lot of people don't like maybe the band. Other people love the band. So I'm not a huge Iron Maiden fan, so I wouldn't want that here, but I love the game. And who doesn't love playing it? A lot of homeowners are pushing that aside because, uh, you know, they've had it for a while, it plays well, but it just doesn't fit the motif of their home. And again, the importance of the theme, to me, the theme really is important. But again, the most important thing is that the theme makes a connection with the player. So it might be that you've never heard of that theme. It might be an original theme, but if it looks great and the play feels great, the backlight's great, it sounds like it's a title that you'd, you'd connect with. Look at uh, Attack from Mars, you know, look at uh, Monster Bash and, and you know, you, you experience uh, medieval madness. When I first went to um, the barcade here to play pinball in, in Birmingham, People were lining up and having a blast on these games from Chicago Gaming, or the originals. And there were more people playing on that than some of the licensed games, which I just thought was interesting. In the end, what mattered was, does it play well? And do you find it attractive as a game to walk up to and, and go for, you know? It is definitely obvious that, Mark, you have got the pinball bug in such a short time, and uh, we see you at Tilton Pinball Heaven there. I think the next thing you're going to have to do is get in touch with Rich Mallet and Peter Blakemore, some great UK players, and start getting into competitions. That's your next thing. I've got to buy me some jigsaws. got to find other hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I know you and I will talk again. I know everybody listening to Pinball Profile will hear you in some way, shape, or form. It's a pleasure to talk to you again, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks, Jeff. It's been really nice to chat. Scooby-Doo, do you want to take us out? Like, man. See you next time, Scoob. Right, Scoob? Yeah, Jeff. <laughs> so that was then. This is now June 2020, and joining us, Mark Silk. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm fine. I'm I'm here locked down in the studio. I've been here for three months. I went shopping for the first time today and bought way too much. But um, yeah, it's I'm 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 okay. I'm I'm still here. It sounds like you're still standing, sitting, standing. Yes, staying at home, uh, being safe, and uh, it's really I guess my responsibility for those I care about to do that until we certainly have a vaccine or some sort of safer measure. But you know, we each do our own thing, and uh, and so is everyone else. It's uh, good to talk to you again. You too, Jeff. Like I said at the start of the show, I apologize to you when I saw you at Expo in October. <laughs> I would imagine in your 20 to 30 years, since you're a child, of course. Of course. In your voice talent, in your production days, you have had a snafu or two where that's great. Everything's recorded. And then 
the talent's gone and whoops it didn't happen as you thought it may oh it's fine have you had that happen i think i've been fortunate i I don't think that's yeah i don't think that's happened I had it where I, I actually decided I never want to work with the company again because the voiceover studio was full of hairballs. Oh. <laughs> that wasn't nice. But I, I kind of been okay with that. By the way, of course, so we've got multiple apologies. I now need the full written apology. <laughs> All right, fine. Go to pinballprofile.com. <laughs> I'll send it to Buckingham Palace. No one needs to know. No one cares. It's fine. Well, I care because... I get to. It meant a lot to me to record with you, to talk to you, way back in October of 2018 when we first met. Wow. And then to do the recording, not once, but twice. And then for me to (laughs) make the mix error. You know what it reminds me of? I don't know if you ever saw that Simpsons episode. Lisa is recording new lines for Malibu Stacy the doll. But she gets bumped aside because Krusty has to come in, voice a few lines and leave to go to his golf game. And he really, (laughs) he flies in, flies out, says his line, and basically one, two takes, does it, and looks to Lisa and goes, learn from a pro, kid, and then walks out. And then the producer on his reel-to-reel machine goes, okay, Krusty, we're ready. Krusty? Krusty? <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Yeah, it's fine. That all aside, let's talk pinball. I am very impressed with what I've heard with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you have to be thrilled with your work with Stern Pinball and Jerry Thompson. I'm over the moon, Jeff. It's... um. I'm a massive animation fan and I'm a huge pinball fan. And to be asked to be part of this is a real thrill. You know, it goes, takes me right back to when I first loved playing arcade games when mom and dad would take us to the seaside. To be part of that now is a dream come true. But what they've done with this, it's incredible. It's a really exciting game. Uh, Jerry Thompson, this, the audio, the sound design that he's done on it is is astonishing. Um, there's a stack of character voices in it. I'm lucky enough to be a, a handful of them. Sound is so important in a game. I'm, I'm sure we touched on this in, in the earlier chat that people heard. But the <laughs> when you heard, when you hear what Jerry's done, every single game that Jerry does, he's having to create a whole new sound palette of effects and music and character voices from scratch. So you know, one game, one theme is completely different to another. And this sits so perfectly in that late 80s original turtle style. And we've taken the voices into a direction that's right for the game, but still true to the original series. Jerry is a master, no question about it, and a happy belated birthday to him uh, earlier this month. You were several voices on this game, and they include Splinter, Bebop, Rocksteady, Baxter, Baxter Fly, and Casey Jones. How familiar were you with those characters and other voices that have been maybe heard in the past on the cartoons? It had been a while since I'd watched Turtles. I loved it at the time and um, hadn't watched them for quite a while. So I went back and watched every episode of the first series that this was kind of based on. And it's interesting because pretty much every series of Turtles, the voices changed and the, the take on it changed, the animation style changed. And when you watch a show that you love the characters, often your idea of what it looked like and sounded like isn't always what it actually looked like and sounded like. And to go back and watch the original um, video, the original um, shows of, of Turtles, you see that the the animation was actually quite rough and ready. If that animation had been in the machine, 
I think I'd have been disappointed because uh, you look at, say, a game like Batman, where you've got great 35 mil restored footage from the original show that looks like it was shot yesterday. That really pops. Whereas there is no restored version of the footage from the original cartoon show. And what they've done with the animation for the game, it looks better. It, it, is, it is of higher standard than the animation of that original series. That's quite a claim. They've done such a good job with that. And the same with the, the voices. We've taken them in a direction that overall feels right for those characters. So originally, I mean, I'm the voice of Splinter in Turtles the Game. And originally it was slightly Japanese and we've taken that out of it because as Turtles the Show's progressed, that's exactly what happened with those shows. So Splinter now is just more mystical. You know, you are chosen. You know, Jeff, shoot the left ramp. It's all this kind of thing, you know. And it works well, so it doesn't get in the way too much, and it's still authentic to the show. And same with all the other characters. We've made sure that, you know, when you hear those, you're hearing that character. It's not a guy doing a voice. You're hearing that character. In the same way that from... Because okay, one of the things, you, you, when anyone does a new version of a show, whether it's a cartoon or a game, one of the things that you'll hear as a, as a criticism is, uh, it's not the original voices, it's not the original characters. And you go, well, actually, do you know what? Even on the second series of Turtles, it wasn't the original voices, it wasn't the original characters. On the new series, it's not. Um, people even uh, were recast as different characters. So the thing that matters is you go, what should these characters sound like? And what should they sound like in the context of a really exciting pinball game? And that is hopefully what we've done. And I haven't played it yet, um, obviously because of the, the lockdown situation. I, I was hoping to be in Chicago by now. I, I'm, I only went outside shopping for the first time today in three months. <laughs> so going to Stern, uh, that wasn't, that's not going to happen for a little while. But everything that I've seen, plus all the chats I've had with um, them working on it, I'm so proud to be part of this game. And the, the attention to detail that's been made in, in terms of getting this right. We spent a lot of time doing this and also everything had to be approved um, by Nickelodeon um, to make sure that it's, you know, that it's up to spec. We're doing this as good as as anyone, anyone could have done it because in the end you're guided by the people who have to say, yeah, that's what we want. But I, I've listened back to the streams that you'll have watched as well, plus my, you know, the inside involvement on it. And it's, it's in really good shape. I know when it comes to doing voices, it's probably one of the last things that they put in there. Wouldn't that be safe to say? I don't actually know because I don't know how far on they were uh, with the game. It's, it's quite possible, but you'd have to speak to Dwight and, and John Borg. Um, I know that the care and attention they put into it was terrific because I was I was in a, on the recording session with Dwight. And, you know, he, he cares, he gives a damn, and he's and he knows exactly what he wants and what he needs to make this thing work in the, the bigger picture for, you know, a, a, to give you a real show, to make these moments exciting and, and to give it a sense of drama and comedy and, and be true to those characters. But we, we were recording earlier on this year. So you're recording with Dwight. I assume you're there in England and he's in Chicago and you're doing some sort of Zoom session? 
Yeah, and with Jerry Thompson as well. I mean, you know, this is a, it's a, all these things are always a collaboration. You know, I'll have what I think's right. We've got to make sure that Nickelodeon are happy. Um, Jerry knows technically what he needs, and Dwight knows what he needs for telling the story, for making the game uh, exciting as hell. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, we all need to be together and work together because, you know, everyone has their own vision of, of what they think will work, but you need the person who has the final say because they understand the bigger context of, of the game. We are all looking forward to seeing that game, and yes, it will be added to your lineup. Since we've last talked, (laughs) your lineup has changed a little bit. No more Aerosmith, no more Family Guy. You still have Attack from Mars and Monster Bash, but what else have you added? Uh, We got, uh, yeah, Attack from Mars LE, that plays so beautifully. Uh, Monster Bash LE, Beatles, uh, Beatles Gold. God, God, that's a good game. I remember when that first came out, there was sort of... People were uncertain as to how good a game that's going to be. That is one of my favorite games in my whole collection. It's as close to perfect as I think they could have got with that. I know we all have our own takes on what we want out of a machine, but it's so different to anything else that I have. There's no ramps, there's no big mechs or no big toys. It is a stack of drop targets, incredible artwork. The What they've done with animation works so well for it, but the sound on that thing, what Jerry Thompson did with the sound for Beatles is it's so true to what had to be done. It, it's like the machine that they never made back in 1964. Um, and to use Cousin Brucey for the call-outs. Oh, I loved it. I love it too. Bruce Morrow was the guy in New York on the radio that was the big voice at that point in time. And he's the guy that int- that introduced the Beatles at Shea Stadium. To have him as the guy doing the call-outs while you're playing and these tunes are blasting out. It is so immersive and so tight and punchy and exciting. The light show's good and I love that machine. But I've got, there's Beatles Gold and another Stern game that I adore, which is Batman 66. And again, just a, a great show. You know, it's, there's, um, there's so much packed into that thing where the, the music's terrific. Did you know that the music uh, in Batman, it's not the original music. It is a brand new version of the Batman theme. Yeah, and I don't know why they did that. I've noticed that on things like Spotify and other things too, when you try to find the Batman theme and you hear the newer version. But for the game. But it's also, uh, yeah, it's it's not the easiest original theme to find. I don't know what the case is for that. I don't know. Do you know? Well, one of the reasons will be consistency. I mean, licensing might come into it, but really consistency because- ah. When you're playing something, you don't want it to sound like that's old, that's new, that's a low bit rate, that's high quality. Like Thunderbirds, which we talked about. <laughs> so, by the way, for the record, I still love Thunderbirds, the show. I grew up loving Thunderbirds, the original one. I'm in the new show. Yes. Since we spoke, we have finished the third season of Thunderbirds, and I can now reveal, I couldn't last time, I couldn't tell you. Jeff Tracy has been found. In, in the new season of Thunderbirds, I'll go. And he was voiced by Lee Majors. Wow, the $6 million man. Exactly. Very nice. And Cold Sea was in the, in the full guy. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but to, to have Lee Majors in the show, that's rock and roll, man. But um, yeah, that's, that's pretty exciting. But Batman, the, the sound in that again is, is so well done. And it's proper theater. And I've got Deadpool in here as well. You're going to have to put some of your audio things aside. Looks like the uh, arcade is starting to grow a little more and more. <laughs> and then um, I've, just, I, I've just ordered up the one that you have to order because it makes sense. Uh, so I have my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ellie flying over in a, in a big bag uh, sometime soon. I can't wait to play it. 
what Jeremy Packer has done for the artwork on this thing, it's just beautiful. I think it's the best they've ever looked. I mean, I, I collect animation art. I'm not just saying this to say nice things about the game. I collect art from uh, animation shows and pencil sketches and, and the original, you know, storyboards and all this. And what Jeremy's done, it's just beautiful. It is gorgeous in each of those machines, the Pro, the Premium, and the LE. They've all got, um, you know, their own marker that, that makes them stand out from each other. But it, it really is, uh, it, it's a great looking game. Yeah, so I can't wait for that to arrive. No question. We're all excited to play that game and you've done some amazing things on that. I hope with all your pinball machines, there's still room for Honey to have a bed. <laughs> she can sleep under turtles. <laughs> All right, we'll see how that goes. Mark, it's a pleasure to talk to you again. Thank you very much. Congratulations on being on this pinball machine and hopefully others in the future and for everything that you do. Oh, thanks a lot, Jeff. It's nice to chat again. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. That's where you subscribe to any podcatcher you'd like. Find past episodes too. In fact, just type in a keyword and you'll see how many times maybe you've been on the program. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at Pinball Profile. Check out our Facebook group as well. And email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. I'm Jeff Teolis. Teolis.